Hey, you're listening to the Canadian Asian Missional Podcast, and we're recording on location at Ion Conference Toronto. This is our second set of reflections, and we had a lot of great conversations revolving around what does it mean to truly embody the gospel. You'll hear the term body, and what does that mean for us to consider the body, and what does that mean for us to consider our race and our gender, and how do we see the arts? One of the great things about this set of reflections is how the stories bind us together and how we can see ourselves and others as part of that story. Check out these great reflections and we've got a couple more along the way. We got Jason and we got Courtney here and we're going to just ask you guys a quick question and we'd love to hear your thoughts. So from your own context, what would you say is one influence or factor from your culture or history that has really impacted the way people share faith, people talk about the gospel? and embody Jesus. Those are three very different things. Well, because I just know that within my body, I carry white privilege and yeah. uh, settler colonial history and all that jazz. So there's that. So, so I do know that there are so many ways that my approach and my existence, how I work or manage my life or myself, my words, my, my influence is undoubtedly influenced by a culture of racism and patriarchy that has been learned by nature of existing and growing up in these constructs. So I just recognize Mm. that. Sure. But it is also part of my story, my experience, that I was very influenced by the decision of my parents to leave Canada and work in a what I would call an intercultural context for ministry um, Mm. in Southeast Asia, which in and of itself is also very complex. But I think I learned from my parents a way by which to enter into that work from a deep desire to know God more, to experience God in the complexity that also comes with a decision like, you know, choosing a missionary quote, lifestyle, um, as we have understood it in, in the past and in history. But my parents came to it with a great deal of humility and I think a, a wow. curiosity to, to understand what their gifts had to offer in our life, but also the, what, what the context and what the culture had to offer us. So mm. I think that definitely shapes the way in which I think about sharing life, faith, and, and ministry. Sure, and so yeah. so kind of like, in what ways did it inform what life and faith look like today because because through all your experience of you know growing up with you know privilege and then moving to southeast southeast asia mm-hmm. and kind of that experience which is very different and in many ways formative do you have any examples of like how does that inform you today yeah so one of the things that i really loved for my parents uh, so it was a muslim country that we were living in uh-huh. and growing up in mm-hmm. and it was a muslim country during the time of the war on terror. So we wow, were learning okay. in a context how to love and be in meaningful relationship with Muslim people while the rest of the world was talking about these are the enemy. Right. <laughs> they're the bad people. Yeah. And so the... No, they're just my neighbors. <laughs> yeah, and actually really lovely people who have a really interesting perspective on who God is and how to express their longing for God. Yeah. So I learned, there was a sensitivity that we learned about being in 
in, in the Muslim world, uh, which I would call like is the theological word contextualization. Yeah. And actually, in coming back to Canada, I feel like I am still practicing and working out contextualization mm. because actually I was never born and grew up in Toronto. And so I am in a context that is new to me, unfamiliar. And so I am figuring out who are these people that I mm. am leading in this church cool. that I work at downtown Toronto and who are these people? What are the perspectives that they have and how can I love them? Sure. Um, awesome. What perspectives do they have to offer me as I grow in my own relationship with God and my own understanding of the gifts that, um, that I have to offer. Mm. That's awesome. Cool. Awesome. Thank you so much for sharing. I don't even know how to follow that, Courtney. <laughs> I don't even know what to say. I was just like, yep, it's yep. good. Yeah. It's good. But what's your story? Well, you know, I come from a Mennonite background, grew up primarily in, in the United Church, United Church of Canada, and then, you know, when in high school, I uh, ended up in an evangelical church, which was a like an entirely different culture shift in itself, uh, moving yeah. from one, you know, understanding of who God is and way of doing things to another, throw in, you know, spiritual gifting and being an artist, I can imagine my parents weren't cheering me on, although they did cheer me on because uh, they didn't have a choice. But I can't can't imagine they went. You know what I want is my son to be an actor. That that is going to go well for him. It's going to be it's going to be so fruitful. You're going to see so much money coming in, all that kind of stuff. So you know, in many ways, um, my dad was a businessman. Mama was a teacher. You know, I was kind of countercultural in my own family. Sure. In some ways, while they loved me and 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 supported me, I think they just kind of went, "Oh, that's tough to go there." And so. I think I would probably more speak to the, with this question. I lived in kind of like my arts world and then in, in my Christian world, and I, I'm still trying to figure out right. 30 plus years later how I'm wired and who I am to sit in a in a faith context. Right. Yeah, what I do, which is you know tell God's stories, bring God's stories sure. to people. And it's one of those things where my experience is. People often don't know that they need to experience those kind of stories until yeah. they've heard it, and they go, yeah. "Oh, oh!" They don't know what they need until they until they experience it, kind right. of thing. Sure. My number one, and this is probably because there's been so much bad Christian art uh, in the past because <laughs> it hasn't been allowed. And my number one really? thing that I've heard over the last twenty years of, of performing has been, "Oh, well, if I knew it was going to be this good, I would have invited my friends." Oh, and and yeah. you know that doesn't. I don't mean that to say like, look how great I am. I mean that to say is like, there's a stigma behind Christian art. Christian art has been so crap <laughs> that all of a sudden I've become the like a good bar. And I was like, man, why is that the case? You know what's what I mean? going on here? Well, what's going on here? So, you know, I I feel like you know in regards to our discussion today about you know scripture and both a female and um. First Nations voices, yeah. so mm-hmm. so interesting to me because one of the things I loved about what God said, and I can't even remember what the quote was, but something like, we need to work out our exegesis with dancing. Yeah. And I love that because I, I just finished a Master of Fine Arts in Performance Creation at York University, and my thesis had to do with leaving my narrative text-based approach, which I've done in my work for the last 20 years, and entering into what happens when I take a nugget of idea, which could be anything. It could be um, like a pizza, you, could, you know, sure. whatever. And what, what happens when I stick pizza in my, if I want to take that nugget of idea and put it in my body, what then happens to my body? What does my body do? Not like, what is the story that my body's doing, but what is my body actually doing? And mm. then allowing then that to flow into movement. So I, right. I, stuck, oh. in, I stuck in movement and image rather than narrative. Yeah. Yeah. Because, I mean, I eventually got to narrative because we get to narrative eventually. Otherwise, sure. it's just abstract art. And I think that 
that can be good. You know, I, I also am a storyteller and I love stories. So part of my discovery was needing to slow down. And I, I integrated various forms of prayer into, in, into like the beginnings of that. So yeah. how do I get to a place of quiet with God so that he can begin to speak in me and I can begin to receive not out of the movement of story, but just out of identity in Jesus. Yeah. And so sure. out of that identity piece and the rootedness of whatever that is, I can take pizza or whatever the nugget is, <laughs> put it in me and let that inform the movement of my body. And then mm. out of that movement, I get to narrative. Wow. And it's kind of like a backwards approach for me. And it was really hard and I wasn't very, and I'm still not very good at it. I'm okay with not being very good at it, but but I think one of the things, and I said this in the in the session this morning, one of the things I feel like is perhaps a calling on what's next for me, this next season for me, but also something that I'm sensing or experiencing is something that the church really needs, Church Universal, is we're good with the brain, we're good with the mind, we know how to do like, you know, everybody gets it, we, we, we get the brain thing, we're a little wigged out by the spirit, but okay, but the body we don't know what to do with. Mm. Wow. And, and uh. what God has been speaking to me about is, my, my experience of him talking to me has been, he's saying, my people are missing a third of the gospel because they don't engage with a third of their being. Mm. That's something to really spend time to digest. <laughs> right, so if, yeah. if he exists as Father, Son, Spirit, and we are created mind, body, spirit in his image, and we don't acknowledge a third of our entire being and relate that third of our being to, to engaging with him, then what are we missing? Oh. And I don't have the answer to that, but I just know that I don't know. And sure. I know that it's important. And so I'm trying to get at how do we, how do we then in the church at least starting to start to ask that question of like, what the heck do I do with this thing that I'm in? Yeah, for you sure. Know, and it's not evil. And it's not evil, and someday we get new bodies. Right, yes. When these bodies are done. So there's, there is great value. I mean, Jesus came as a man in a body. Uh, you know, he wasn't a spirit, you know, he wasn't Casper drifting around, <laughs> uh, right? So there's something interesting for me as an artist to kind of go after, like, okay, so what do I do with that embodiment? What, how then do I bring this thing that's on my heart, I think, from God, I hope from God. How do I bring that to light? How do sure. I then um, allow that to blow that up in the work that I do? Because I feel like part of the job of the artist is to awaken and make aware of things that people are unaware of. Sure. Because yeah. then you have options, then you can make choices. But if you're completely unaware, then you have no options. Mm. Yeah. So, you know, if I always lean on my left leg and, and I do that all the time, I'm telling the world something about who I am and how I process things. Well, if you're not aware of that, that you're communicating that to somebody, mm -hmm. then and then all of a sudden you become aware, you go, oh, oh, I am saying something. Mm -hmm. yeah, and yeah. then you can make the choice to either continue to say that thing or not. Sure. Mm -hmm. And I feel like as an artist, I, you know, I want to, I want to uh, awaken and make aware things that are unseen or things that haven't been seen before mm. so that people have some choices, so that people have some options. Yeah. Mm. So anyway, you're, you're disrupting, subversively disrupting. That sure. is my life. <laughs> I love that. I had some reflections on this aspect of embodiment and body through our, our discussion today, because I think the body just is problematic, has been made problematic, there I should go. say. Right. We look at women's bodies through an, an, an 
an objectified lens. Mm -hmm. We uh, also look at at indigenous bodies as through the lens of savagery, you know, like just Mm. bodies already carry so much weight in them. So it was interesting to look at our panelists, indigenous woman, Chinese background woman, I believe she she says we had a Korean Canadian questioner and we had an older white white woman Mm -hmm. sitting there uh, like inviting us into this conversation and there was a part of me that was observing the ways in which it was still a difficult reality to live fully in Mm. their bodies in this moment in this context (laughs) that Mm. i think is is very kind of screams your typical normative christian evangelical context Mm. yeah sure and i was aware of our our white panelist was the first one to speak up (laughs) for most of the the answers uh, on the questions the women of color were the ones who were waiting a little bit longer anyway so just some of those dynamics were were a little bit interesting that's an Uh, interesting observation yeah yeah. and then i think even there's a part in some of the responses that i heard about what when i was asking a question of well how do you manage your voice and your gifts in the context of, you know, dominant oppressive cultures or power. And some of the responses were, were like, oh, wow, yeah, this is a struggle. We're struggling to do this. Mm. One of the responses was tread carefully. Like, oh, damn. <laughs> 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 oh, we got to keep doing that. <laughs> or that's the answer. Anyway, so I think bodies are really complicated and have been made a problem. Uh, So how do we embody who we are in a way that is unapologetic, but is also like not like in your face, I'm who I am, take it or leave it Mm. kind of thing, but is is an embodiment of this is beautiful, you are beautiful. How do we be in communion with each other in our bodies and in the beautiful glorified ways that God has... uh, done with us for us i have something that's a super great lead into what i'm thinking thank you courtney so part part of my research was on um body systems and so like what is your body brain kind of thing so there's different systems like blood breath gravity hot cold pain pleasure and digestion sure it's kind of the internal body systems right Mm. and god was kind of speaking to me about this and what reason i think it is relevant to what courtney just said is i think when we can start to understand the significance of how God works in our body that gives us value and identity. Mm. And so then we can stop this nonsensical way that we ha- communicate in kind of what Courtney was saying about like, you know, white privilege and all those kind of things. But if, if as a entire society, all voices included can start to engage with the truth of their value in Jesus. Now, obviously that's, you know, from, I'm speaking from a kingdom perspective, but things like, and here's, here's was part of my revelation in my work, you know, so think about the blood system, right? So, so my blood system, uh, if I follow the, follow the train from Adam or the beginning of time, God spoke or breathed, he actually breathed into the dirt, created mankind, male and female. So my blood is actually the DNA of Jesus, right? So I'm like, I literally have the blood of Christ in my veins, from from creation, right? He made it. He did it. It got passed mm. down through these thousand different generations into me. So what does it actually mean? What does it feel like? How does it make us the same? Mm. 
when I go, oh, the blood of Christ is like not just in my imagination or in my thought process, but literally the blood of Jesus is in my veins. Mm-hmm. That, that changes things. It changes things. <laughs> changes what does things. it mean for Holy Spirit to be wind and, wind and breath all the way through Scripture? And if Holy Spirit, uh, as someone who is a Christ follower, actually lives in my physical body, not like a cheese ball, do you accept Jesus as your personal Savior into my heart nonsense, but... But the truth of, like, what does it mean that I have oxygen flowing through mm-hmm. my bloodstream all the way down to my toes? So is it possible that Holy Spirit is actually moving through my bloodstream in the oxygen molecules all the way down to my bones, and that I can both inhale and exhale Holy Spirit into the room? So what happens when I walk into the room and God, I am full of the presence of God and I release God into the room? How does the atmosphere of the room change? Yeah. And the relational aspect and of the rel- seeing right. other people through the In same lens. the same way. Yes. And how it connects us all. Yes. Ooh, mic drop. Okay. okay. Well, hey, one, one last thing, because this <laughs> yeah. is the one that wrecked me the most. We were in the middle of an exercise at my, uh, during my degree, and we would do like these very intense movement exercises, and then we would lie on the floor, and, the, and my professor would call out all these different body systems. And we were supposed to kind of try and sit in these body systems as a means of emotionally connecting to what was going on inside of ourselves sure. to be better actors, better performers. So I'm lying on the ground and I, and you know, exhausted and, and I feel kind of strapped to the ground and, and I have this encounter with God and, and I, and I feel like I'm like, Lord, what's going on? I'm like, I'm strapped to the ground. What's happening. And I, and I, and I not auditorily, but experience these words inside of me where God is saying to me, so what do you think gravity is, Jason? And I said, I don't know, but I'm a little weirded out. Like I can't move. And like, sure. what are you doing? And, and he says to me, Gravity is my embrace of humanity at all times. Hmm. No one can get away from my embrace. Wow. Whoa. That's something okay. to really that's a, think about. Let's all just drop our mics. Yes. Please don't drop these mics. They're like, pretty expensive. Yeah, <laughs> but like that, yeah. I was just wrecked me. Like, yeah. It oh, doesn't wow. matter who you are. doesn't matter what culture you're from. You are embraced by God at all times. Wow. I feel like we can go on and on and on. But thank you guys both yep. for sharing yeah. That's a, I feel like we need to actually re-listen to this conversation over and, and just let it sit with us for a little while. But thank you guys both. Maybe we'll have you on again. Yeah. <laughs> Petra, how are you doing? I'm doing really well. Yes. Yeah. And you, we are here together excited. at the ION conference talking about orality, talking a lot about sharing stories. And you yourself are an artist. Is that correct? That's right. Yeah. And how long I, have you been an artist? I've been an artist for a long time. Um, not... Uh, professionally, always. I, I was a graphic designer, oh, and a, okay. I'm also a teacher. Sure. Cool. But I've always painted and always done art, um, and I'm in a fortunate place right now to be able to do it a little more full-time. So. Cool. Yeah. So can you, can you describe for us a little bit about the kind of art that you create? Yeah. I'm primarily a painter, mm-hmm. but I also like doing things that kind of come together in different ways, like, you know, mixing drawing with painting and Mm. so on um my work is uh somewhat abstract Mm -hmm. and right now i'm working on a project that has very much to do with this conference in a way because it's about stories and it's about narrative and Mm. i'm i'm illustrating texts in the bible that have to do with with trees okay I'm, i'm intending to create a book so cool. uh, it's going to be a mix of my images plus people's writings. Sure. And they, they're just stories, really, because so many of the great stories in the Bible happened 
and a tree was involved. Mm. <laughs> so, yeah, for sure. And, and trees are great, right? I yeah. mean, they they just they're yeah. just powerful metaphors and um, you know, God takes care of us through trees. I even think about, you know, first story that came to mind was when Jesus was healing the blind man. And it's like, what do you see? I see tree trunks. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> they look like people. They look like people. Yeah. yeah. Petra, for you, why do you think stories are so impactful? Why do you think they influence and shape people in such a way? I think because they're more personal and relational. Mm-hmm. Because I, I think about my own past and I think about stories that my parents told me, for yeah. example, about um, our Im- we immigrated when I was a baby. And so I'm always fascinated by how that all happened and sure. what happened. And so I ask my older siblings, for example, you know, right. how the stories around that. Mm-hmm. And I always think it's interesting too, how people come at it from different ways, right? Mm. You, like you might have an experience like the with perspectives something. Perspectives are so different. Yeah. Right? yeah. And how our memories are so different mm. and how our stories are so different. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. I just think it's fascinating. I think yeah. for me, it's a really good way to learn. Sure. So how do you see kind of like art kind of play that role in painting and and revealing and sharing that story? I often say this to people that one of my biggest, I feel like when my paintings are successful is when I might have had an intention in my painting, but someone else sees something else Mm. and then they tell me that. Yeah. And then that kind of adds to the story of the painting in a way, you know, and I, I love that. Because it's sort of what we just said about people coming at it from a different perspective. Yeah, for sure. And I think that's one of the coolest things about art and stories is it it invokes emotion or it at least informs the person how they see it and how they internalize it. And that's so cool that you can be able to just receive from someone else. Like, oh, I never even thought about that. And this might be where I had originally thought it was going to go, but... That's a really cool dimension of it as well. Mm-hmm. Whenever I'm at a lecture sure. or, you know, hearing text or words, I always have a sketchbook with me and I mm. try to interpret what I'm hearing. And it's a way for me to help, lis- help me listen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When I was in grade three, I got kicked out of class for it because <laughs> I even did it back then. Apparently. When people doodle, right? I would doodle yeah. and it helped me listen, but... You know, it wasn't allowed then, but times have changed and I'm grateful for that. Mm-hmm. So sure. today I'm just kind of like sitting in on sessions and then whatever I hear, I think of an image and I'll start drawing it. Yeah. So what are some things that you, you kind of have drawn or, or images that you have seen as you have heard today? Um, one of the things that's really coming out is um, this river idea oh. and water. So the first speaker used the drums. Yeah, Jonathan. And then yeah. he sang a song about that, about the rivers. So I'm kind of like thinking about that. Mm, like a movements. Yeah. And, yeah. Wow. And a continuation, right? Mm-hmm. And then another one. So this was when all the speakers were there and... So I was just thinking about the movement again of mm-hmm. text and how it kind of, you know, how you sometimes see it and sometimes don't. And and then the other session that I went to, he did a story about Jesus in the boat mm-hmm. with his disciples. Yeah. And then I really, it really occurred to me that this is really about 
repetition mm. and that that has to be a really strong visual element right. of this whole thing. And so I was thinking about the little boat that the disciples would have, and how if you had told it, it might have looked a little different mm-hmm. than when someone else told oh, it. Oh, yeah. So I'm just, but then the waves would be similar. Right. And so anyway, and then I was bored, so I drew two people that were sitting there. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you, you know what? If you never told me that, uh-huh. I wouldn't have known. I would have thought that they were part of the original mm-hmm. image. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, this is all audio, and you and like our listeners aren't yeah. going to be able to see this, but it almost seems like the person is looking out at the boats. Yeah. And like, it's almost like, what is he thinking when he sees these boats? And that's pretty fascinating. Yeah. But that's the beauty of art, right? I mean, the artist has a perspective, a lens something that informs you know how how you have created this piece of art yeah but as someone who is appreciating it and 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 looking at the piece of art like as we are drawn in we offer our narrative and our worldview uh and our lenses and it kind of creates something new yeah Yeah. i think that's that that really is the beauty of the stories yeah because we're we're invited to to participate in it sure and it's not a passive uh thing it's actually an active thing Yep. If we can see stories in that way. Yeah. Just one last question for you is, what do you think Christian communities can learn about art and how to express themselves through art to be able to share stories and to be able to invite people into God's bigger story? I think it's really important to remember that God you know, is the creator. Yeah. And we're not creators in that way. I think it's important to think about beauty in Mm. some way, but also brokenness and to help portray that. And I think it's important to be open. I don't think art, Christian art should be necessarily didactic. I don't think it should be teaching us lessons, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, I think stories do that and storybooks do that. Mm -hmm. And the art in storybooks is good for that. But in terms of the bigger picture, I think we need to... Yeah, do the very, very best we can. I think that's a really important element that um, the the work is really high quality and, you know, like that we try our best sure. in terms of techniques and learning and all that. And that we incorporate beauty in some way. Yeah, that's part of the gospel. Beauty yeah, is part of the gospel. Exactly. Absolutely. Thank you so awesome. much, Petra, Thank for your time yeah, and for sharing pleasure. some of your story. Yeah, Thank thanks. you. So we are here right now. And we are talking to Jared, Jared and Abigail, Abigail. We are following up from the first session and we're asking people, why are stories so important for you personally or in general? And what are the stories, the narratives that have shaped you to be who you are today? I I think stories are important because they're driven by ideas. And I think ideas are what bring us together as, as differences of cultures so whereas cultures might not relate, we might not relate, two different cultures might not relate to each other as people so mm-hmm. much, but they might relate to an idea. And so I think ideas and stories kind of transcend cultural boundaries sometimes, okay. depending on the idea, depending on the culture. So let me flip it back to you. What are some of those major ideas that have shaped you to be Jared? I I think a lot of it for me goes back to a lot of the 
narratives in the Bible. Yeah. Because there's a lot of humanity conveyed. Um, a lot of the story of the prodigal son, as an example, as a narrative, is the story of Israel. Sure. Is mm. is the story of Jacob actually in the in the Bible. The interconnection of the themes and narratives in the Bible really have reached out to me because some of the most prolific people in scripture have been some of the most influential and some of the most flawed people have been the most influential. And so I think it communicates a lot about grace, a lot about forgiveness and a lot about the nature of God in these narratives. As uh, just jumping off what Jared said, they definitely shape who you are today or who I am today. And just for example, so I'm from the Caribbean, Mm -hmm. from Trinidad and Tobago, and I have been introduced to different cultures like the culture in the USA or and then the culture here in Canada. So how that those stories, you know, seeing other people, even hearing their stories, it has encouraged me to be a better person. Mm. And it has encouraged me to, even though my characteristics, some of my characteristics come from other people's stories. Sure. So it definitely has shaped my, who I'm, who my character, who I am, my identity, but I know that my identity is found in Christ. Yes. So it, it I know what to pull from their stories. I know what to take away, not not to um, indulge in certain things. So I think it's very important in my my aspect. It's very important in my life. They help me a lot. I don't know what I'll do without stories. <laughs> yeah, for sure, for sure. I just want to follow up on that. Mm-hmm. How would you describe the differences between the narrative of the story from from the Caribbean mm-hmm. to the States to Canada? There's one... Big aspect. So customer pleasure. So in Trinidad, yeah. uh, the customer services, uh, if you ever come, is <laughs> not as great. Okay. Uh, and uh, like I would go to a store and they would just like, they wouldn't really say hi or stuff like that. And then when I went to America, these people just like waving to me. I'm like, hi, how are you doing? <laughs> I'm like, oh my gosh, like, what do I do? So strange. And, yeah, it's so strange. So they encouraged me to be even more like, oh, hi, what's up? How are you doing? And even coming to Canada, they're very friendly and wanted to know how you're doing. Very want to be personal and I'm like oh this is a kind of new thing for me to actually be friendly to people and be open and kind of extroverted because a lot of people that are in the customer relations they're very extroverted right. so that kind of shaped me to be a little more extroverted because mm. when I was in Trinidad I was an introvert then I moved to America and came back to Trinidad I became an extrovert so wow. <laughs> that's a wow. big change <laughs> yeah it definitely yes. shaped me yes that is amazing and it's so amazing that like, you know, what, what would be the story behind that? It would be like, yeah, you know what? You walk into the store as a customer, you know, the story you might buy into is like, oh, the customer's not really worth your time. So it's like, why, why, why bother saying? But then in a, you know, in a different context, it might be like, oh, you know, we want to be friendly to the customer either because we want to be friendly <laughs> or because maybe we want the sale. Who knows, right? Sure. Yeah. Like, I wonder if some of these are kind of the redemptive parts of our cultures and the uniqueness of our cultures. Like when you talk about the U.S., like parts of the U.S., they're known for their hospitality, like yeah. su- Southern hospitality. Yeah. Like you're known for that because like you're like you're welcome into the place and yeah. to their home, to the food. And like it's so warm, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, when we talk about hospitality and welcoming, like from the scriptures and inviting the aliens into our neighborhoods, <laughs> yeah. right? Like that's kind of what we kind of can see how it unfolds mm-hmm. in a specific narrative, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's cool. All right, Jared, Abigail, thank you guys so much for your time. Mm. Thank you so much for sharing what stories mean to you guys. 
All right, you have been listening to the Canadian Asian Missional Podcast. Hey, what did you think about today's conversation? We'd love to hear from you. You can reach us through Facebook, Twitter, email, and Instagram. Connect with us. Let us know your thoughts. If you haven't done so already, please remember to review and to rate and to share this podcast. It really helps us to continue to reach more people with this conversation. And it's been great to see how people have been wrestling with these topics and continually seeing their life and their faith and their own ministries challenged and and encouraged by the conversations we've been having. So once again, you've been listening to the Canadian Asian Missional Podcast, and we hope you'll join us on this journey. See you next time.